In Memoriam A.H.H. by Alfred Tennyson, Cantos 51 through 55. Here in Canto 51 is that hero worship again, which I find so moving, since the worshiper himself is such a hero. This time it comes coupled with anxiety that from the afterlife, this friend, whose applause he sought and whose blame he reverenced, might have the ability to see through him to some hidden fault. But then he accuses himself of wronging the grave, and persuades himself that the dead can see through to the soul. Like God, they watch with larger eyes and greater wisdom, and like God, they are forgiving. Here's Canto 51. Do we indeed desire the dead should still be near us at our side? Is there no baseness we would hide, no inner vileness that we dread? Shall he for whose applause I strove, I had such reverence for his blame, see with clear eyes some hidden shame, and I be lessened in his love? I wrong the grave with fears untrue. Shall love be blamed for want of faith? There must be wisdom with great death. The dead shall look me through and through. Be near us when we climb or fall. Ye watch, like God, the rolling hours, with larger, other eyes than ours, to make allowance for us all. Let me pause for a moment on what I love about this poem. Cantos like this expand my capacity for reverence. I find such inspiration in the image of a man who loves his friends so much that he longs for his praise, fears his censure, and hopes he will be forgiven all his faults when they are reunited in the afterlife. Love's every fleeting thought or shade of feeling is uncovered and contemplated and captured in immortal verse. With each new line, I love it more. In Canto 52, Tennyson again laments the insufficiency of his songs to capture his love. He says his words are a poor reflection of his beloved's person, that instead of penetrating to the depths, they move upon the topmost froth of thought. Even as he confesses this failing, he hears the spirit of love whisper in his ear that no frailty can offend him, and no fault can drive him from his loved one's side. It is not perfection that makes him worthy of love. He is not to fret like a girl over the fact that life is inevitably dashed with sin. He should instead be assured that all the virtues he has gathered up throughout his life will be gloriously revealed when his soul is separated from his body like a pearl from its shell. Here's Canto 52. I cannot love thee as I ought, for love reflects the thing beloved. My words are only words, and moved upon the topmost froth of thought. Yet blame not thou thy plaintive song, the spirit of true love replied. Thou canst not move me from thy side, nor human frailty do me wrong. What keeps a spirit wholly true to that ideal which he bears? What record? Not the sinless years that breathed beneath the Syrian blue. So fret not, like an idle girl, that life is dashed with flecks of sin. Abide, thy wealth is gathered in, when time hath sundered shell from pearl. There is so much to love here. I adore the simple opening line for its power to capture something elusive but universally felt. I cannot love thee as I ought. 
in those moments when I look at my children and feel brimming with a love that I could not begin to express, this is the expression I will think of. I cannot love thee as I ought. And when my eldest daughter, who has long been plagued by a perfectionism, is in the grips of that voice that tells her any fault of hers disqualifies her for love, I will remind her that there is nothing she might do that would move me from her side, and that within she has gathered a wealth of goodness. In Canto 53, Tennyson reflects on those fathers he has known who, in their youth, were wild and foolish, but in their manhood become pillars of respectability. It tempts one, he says, to speculate that a man must sow his wild oats to grow the grain by which a man may live. But then he warns against preaching this belief to youths still eddying around and tempted by sin. In our teachings, he says, we must hold to the good, or we run the danger of making philosophy an encouragement to evil. Here's Canto 53. How many a father have I seen, a sober man among his boys, whose youth was full of foolish noise, who wears his manhood hale and green. And dare we to this fancy give, that had the wild oat not been sown, the soil, left barren, scarce had grown the grain by which a man may live. Or, if we held the doctrine sound for life outliving heats of youth, yet who would preach it as a truth to those that eddy round and round? Hold thou the good, define it well, for fear define philosophy should push beyond her mark and be procurous to the lords of hell. I feel so fortunate not just to hear the testimonies of Tennyson's love, but to feel sometimes like I am witness to all the inner workings of his mind. He has addressed here a real question that in some form has occurred to me and probably to most. We know our children must make mistakes, and we forgive them for their misjudgments. But ought we to counsel them that sometimes straying from the good is inevitable or even essential to proper growth? Or should we hold to the good in our explicit teachings and then have patience and express forgiveness if and when they stray? Tennyson has both made this fascinating question explicit and given us his answer in a concise and poetic form. In Canto 54, Tennyson expresses a hopeful longing that some good is the goal of all the ills we suffer, of sin and doubt, of disease and death. He wants to believe that no life is aimless and no death is senseless. He can only trust that in the end everything will have existed in the service of some good. He cannot know. It is only the dream of one crying in the darkness. Here's Canto 54. Oh, yet we trust that somehow good will be the final goal of ill, to pangs of nature, sins of will, defects of doubt, and taints of blood. That nothing walks with aimless feet, that not one life shall be destroyed or cast as rubbish to the void when God hath made the pile complete. That not a worm is cloven in vain, that not a moth with vain desire is shriveled in a fruitless fire or but subserves another's gain. Behold, we know not anything. I can but trust that good shall fall at last, far off, at last to all, 
and every winter change to spring. So runs my dream. But what am I? An infant crying in the night. An infant crying for the light. And with no language but a cry. Of course, Tennyson longs to believe that there is ultimate meaning in the seemingly senseless tragedy of his friend's untimely death. He wants to believe. He tries to trust. But the lines that move me most are his candid confession that he feels like an infant crying in the night. Canto 55 is that plaintive cry. Tennyson tells himself that the desire to see in every pain some larger purpose— The belief that all in the end will serve the good emerges from that within us that is most deeply connected to God. He struggles to comprehend how nature can take such care of the species, but be so cavalierly destructive of the individual. Such thoughts make him falter in his faith. And when he falters, all he can do is fall on the altar steps to heaven and stretch his hands out and grope and trust. Here's Canto 55. The wish that of the living whole no life may fail beyond the grave derives it not from what we have, the likest God within the soul? Are God and nature then at strife that nature lends such evil dreams, so careful of the type she seems, so careless of the single life, that I, considering everywhere her secret meaning in her deeds, and finding that of fifty seeds she often brings but one to bear. I falter where I firmly trod, and falling with my weight of cares upon the great world's altar stairs that slope through darkness up to God, I stretch lame hands of faith and grope and gather dust and chaff and call to what I feel is Lord of all and faintly trust the larger hope. Everything here, his despair, his doubts, and his determination to have faith, are all to me just exquisitely powerful testimonies to his love.